you are tuned in to Lightworkers Lounge, a podcast for spiritual souls on their journey of enlightening the world. I'm your host, Stephanie Powers. Welcome. Grief is such a bizarre emotion. And I think a lot of us are so afraid of it. It's so intense that we don't want to look it dead in the eye and walk through it to get out of it because it's so overwhelming. What you're about to hear in this podcast, I um, I recall the story of how I lost my two cats in one tragic day. I mean, I thought I was cursed. So cursed. Like, having to emergency euthanize one cat one pet is enough but coming home and losing the other that's just you know how do you explain that well that happened to me in April 2017 and for over two years I haven't been able to explain it until now in this episode my dear friend and animal communicator Rose Proud comes back on the show to channel my two cats and see what really happened that really sad, really tough day. You know, before I got on the phone with Rose and recorded this episode, I tried to go back and channel this energy. You know, my my personal coping mechanism for getting through traumatic times is to completely wipe it from my memory. Completely get rid of it. I mean... The only way to open the portals to those memories are by doing microdose of mushrooms or um, asking my mom, asking my brother to just recount the memory. But this was this was really tough. I remember the night I got the night I got home after all of this trying to fall asleep like it makes me want to cry just thinking you know like right now I'm visualizing just hovering over myself in that dimension at that period of time and I just feel so bad for myself I lived in Charleston South Carolina at the time and I didn't know anybody because my husband at the time and I just moved there so we didn't know anyone lo and behold The weekend this happened, he was across the country for work in California. So I was completely alone, and I was angry, I was terrified, I blacked out, I didn't know what to do, and you will hear that on this podcast. Um, I'm trying so hard not to give too much away. One of my cats is actually not dead, Um, and she had a lot to say to me and the other one I've had her I've connected with her before um, like a week after this tragic event happened and she died in my arms and she always brings up the chakra system and you'll hear it again in this episode when Rose talks to her but I remember trying to go to bed that night that all of this shit happened like can you imagine I woke up, it was bright and sunny outside, and the wind was blowing so fast and so loud outside. And 
I just knew. Isn't it so bizarre when we meet someone that we know we're going to spend the rest of our life with? We just know. When we're house hunting and we walk into a house for the first time and we just know. We just know. I woke up and I just knew, like, oh shit, this day is going to rattle you and it's going to leave a scar on you for the rest of your life. Damn my Scorpio moon. (laughs) But I woke up and sure enough, my cat, who has slept by my side for 10 years, was not by my side. Threw the covers off. Ran around, looked under the bed, looked in my closet, ran to my office, looked under my desk, looked in the closet, lifted everything up, moved plants, lifted up shoes like I was desperate. Ran downstairs, still can't find her, ran to the backyard, left the door open, still can't find her, not outside, not in any windows, not in any closets. At this point, I'm having a panic attack and I can't breathe and I'm just holding my chest. And then I go in our downstairs bathroom to just sit on the floor and kind of walk myself through this panic attack when I see a little gray paw print hanging out from under the sink. And I crawl over there on my hands and knees and I open the cabinet and there was my cat. Lifeless but still breathing. She couldn't move. She had diabetes for the past two years and neuropathy, which is when you lose feeling and all of your nerves and your limbs go numb, it took over overnight. So when I picked her up, she it was just like holding a pancake. There was nothing left in her. And I looked at her and I knew what I had to do. I put her in her dreaded cat carrier for the last time leaving little Jeffrey, my pug puppy. He was only like 12 weeks at the time. I left him at home. Poor guy. He was there for hours by himself for the first time ever, but put my baby in the car, and we drove to the emergency vet. I don't even think I called them. I think I just knew where they were, got in the car, and drove there. And my God, every time each stoplight turned yellow and then turned red, And I had to sit at the light in the silence of this car with just the faint sound of wind blowing us around outside. And I would just look over at her and just think this is one of my last minutes with her. I probably have like 28 minutes left, 27 minutes left, 25 minutes left. Just awful. And I thought, Steph, get your shit together. Like, compose yourself. And so I sang, you are my sunshine, my only sunshine. You make me happy when skies are gray. You'll never know just how much I love you. Please don't take my brownie away. I sang that to her the whole way to the vet, and it calmed me down. I really think it calmed her down. And we walked in, and I signed the papers, and I felt so much guilt. Like, this is my soulmate. This is a little helpless life that has been reliant upon me for food and shelter and love for 10 years. And I just signed papers saying, yes, you can kill her in my arms. I, I, I harbored a lot of guilt over that, even though 
ego aside, it was what needed to be done. It was a gift now, I see, releasing her from this pain. But at the time, I felt terrible. And I bring this up on the episode. And when Rose channels Brownie, I ask her to please ask Brownie if she's mad at me. And you'll see what she says. But yeah, I went home that night and I packed up all of her toys and uh, my other cat escaped through the back door because if you remember I said on a frantic frenzy looking for my brownie I left the door open she took off and never came home so I cleaned up all their food and water bowls all their toys and like kind of out of anger like oh fuck you universe like why why would you do this to me I just packed it all away and threw it all in a closet. I think I even walked to the dump and threw it out. And I was like, no, I'm done. Never again, never again. Just anger, going through the stages of grief. And then that night, of course, I couldn't sleep. I just kind of laid in bed all night and dozed in and out of that um, that phase where you know you're awake, but you're still kind of asleep. And then at one point, I remember turning over and opening my eyes, and I saw Brownie, my cat that I just put down eight hours ago. I saw her, and she was fatter and fluffy, and her eyes weren't so sunk in, and she she was bright, and she was just curled up in that little, like, that position that cats sleep in where all their paws are tucked under their belly, and she was just at my head watching me sleep. I swear, it was the realest vision I've ever had. And then I remember falling asleep and waking back up and looking at my ceiling and seeing the outline of a black skull. Yeah, a black skull. And I just remember blinking my eyes and closing my eyes, opening them again, and it was still there, very vivid. And I was like, what the fuck? Oh my gosh, and I was just like, I'm cursed, I'm cursed. But I I still don't know how to explain that. But it was very, very weird. But it was a very traumatic day. And as much as I don't like to admit this, it really was the, the start of the demise of my marriage. Because I, as part of my grief stages, I had so much anger towards my ex-husband that he was across the country partying going bowling eating steak dinners having a good time well I had to go through this but you know ego aside again what was he supposed to do there's nothing he can do so what you're about to hear is my conversation with Rose the animal communicator Rose is so good at what she does At the end of the show, you'll find all of her information if you would like to book a session with her to communicate with a current pet who's with you right now or one that has crossed the Rainbow Bridge. I don't know if you guys remember, but Rose came on the show this past February. And of course, before we hit record, she asked, All right, Stephanie, who would you like to channel? What pet would you like to channel? And of course, my girls, my two cats came up, but... I was not ready. There was no way I could keep my composure, host a show, and even speak into a microphone. The energy was not, it was too heavy. So we chose to talk to my pug, Jeffrey, instead. But over this summer, I've done a lot of releasing, a lot of healing. I've really grown and evolved. And this time I was ready. So for the first time ever, 
since my cats passed away, I talk to them. And again, one of them is still alive. And the other one, <laughs> well, she had a lot to say about Lightworkers Lounge. Here it is. Enjoy. You know, Rose, I think we all have interesting synchronistic stories of how our pets enter our lives. Even if it's as simple as going to like a shelter one day and picking out a pet, it's kind of like searching for a home. You walk mm -hmm. in and you just know. Like you see the right. person you're meant to be married to and spend the rest of your life with and you just know. I think that same energy can be applied to meeting our pets. Would you agree? Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, many of my clients have shared those experiences with me and I've had them myself. And sometimes it's somebody else in your family that picks the animal. Like that happened today. Somebody I worked with, she said her son was the one that really wanted the dog. Yet there's a real strong connection between them, you know, and every animal that comes into our life, we have agreements with on a soul level. And there's agreements with each person in the family. Some might be deeper, more growth than others, but there's always agreements from, you know, them to us and us to them. So right. I definitely agree. That is so true. You know, animals have never just been pets to me. Like I'm baffled at how anyone can just leave their pet and no offense to anyone listening to this who does this, but I just don't understand how people can leave pets outside all day, 24 seven, not sleep with them, not sit them down at the dinner table. <laughs> right. Like, like <laughs> pets for me have always had like such a soothing presence in my life. Like I had a traumatic childhood and dogs and cats would always be an energy that would come to me as a little girl and say like, Hey, follow me. Let's get out of here and go chase each other in the backyard, dig holes in the dirt, scratch and climb trees <laughs> barefoot. Like the purr of a content cat can drown out any negative energy in my aura. They're just so special to me. Yeah, me too. And they, hmm. you know, animals are so present in the moment yeah. and that's what they give us. And I think children are as well. And so they, that connection is often even stronger, Yeah. you know, with a child. There's no pre or no uh, learned thought process that interferes with that when you're still young. So Rose, thank you so much for coming back on Lightworkers Lounge. It is so nice to have you back in the lounge to talk about communication <laughs> with animals. Thanks for having me. It's so much fun. I know. Do you remember our episode last February where you channeled Jeffrey? <laughs> of course I do. Yeah. Every time I see his pictures on your Instagram, I'm like, hey, dude, <laughs> remember when you were running through the mud and got all nasty and dirty? <laughs> yeah, that's right. For those of you listening, I forgot to meet Rose in person and stay with her because she actually has an Airbnb, which Rose, I should put that in our show notes because I bet a lot of people would love to come see you. But I stayed with her okay. and Rose, oh my gosh, we had such a lovely time together. Meeting you in person was like, I really think we had a past life together or something. Probably more than one. Uh, yeah, because it did not feel like I was meeting you for the first time at all. Me neither. Yeah. Me neither. Yeah. So thank you for coming back on the show. And today, 
we are going to talk about something I'm nervous and I'm excited, but it's very heavy. And a lot of the audience already knows the story of how I lost both of my cats, my two little soulmates, in one tragic day. And last time you came on the show, I was not ready to channel them. It was just too much. Whew. But now I think I'm so before we dive in, I want to talk a little bit about their story and let you share your experience with lost pets. Now, what happened with my cats? I had a mother-daughter pair, Brownie and Daisy. Brownie was a cat that my mom found in our garage while I was away at college. And she was just a mangy little bony runt of a cat. And my mom sent me a photo while I was away in Las Vegas, actually, at university. And she said, Steph, look at this cat I found in the garage. And I remember writing back, ew, mom, it looks like a possum. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, no, it's the sweetest, most cuddly cat. I just lured it in the house with popcorn. So Brownie's favorite food was popcorn. But anyways, long story short, I came home from university and I met this cat for the first time. I held her and she just rubbed her head into my neck and it was all over from there. She became my girl, my best friend. She used to lay on my bed with me while I was studying or sit on my lap while I was writing papers. And, you know, when we found her in the garage, she was pregnant. But none of us knew because she was so thin and just a little bloated. We just thought she was unhealthy. But a few months after we found her, she was sitting on my bed with me. And all of a sudden, she stood up and hunched over like she was going to cough up a hairball. But instead, blood started to come out of her rear end. And I was like, oh, my gosh. So I picked her up and tried to carry her outside thinking she was having diarrhea or something. But out came a little kitten, just one. And I helped birth her. And it was such a beautiful summer day with flowers blooming that I decided to name her Daisy. Oh, it was Brownie and Daisy, my two baby girls. And I thought, how rare is it for a cat to just have one kitten in a litter? So rare. So I decided. It yeah. is rare. So I was like, I have to keep this kitten. I can't give it away. So I did. And we spent about eight years together, me and these two cats. I got married and they moved down to the Carolinas with me and my husband at the time. And we were just a little family of four. And things were so good. But tragically, Brownie, the mother cat, got diagnosed with diabetes. Yeah, it was really, really tough. And insulin is so expensive for anyone listening who knows about diabetes in cats. It's just, it is an expensive, time-consuming disease trying to keep a cat's blood sugar stable. So Brownie needed me at her side 24-7 care, round the clock. It was really mentally, emotionally exhausting. And in Charleston, when my husband and I lived down there, I woke up one day and Brownie was not at my feet, which for eight years, she's always sleeping at my feet. And so I thought, "Uh uh-oh, I just, the wind was blowing fast outside. I just felt it in my bones, like, "Uh uh-oh, this can't be good. I went downstairs, running around the house, trying to find her, can't find her anywhere, opened the back door, looking for her outside as if she snuck out a window or something, but I ended up finding her under the bathroom sink curled up lifeless. She had severe neuropathy that developed overnight, which is when you lose all feeling in your nerves and you can't walk or hold yourself up. 
So I grabbed her, threw her in a crate, and I drove to the emergency vet knowing full well what I had to do. And I remember singing You Are My Sunshine to her the whole drive there, just through <laughs> tears. And I had to emergency euthanize her because the poor thing was just in such rough shape, so dehydrated. And then when I got home with an empty crate and a broken heart, Daisy was gone. She snuck out through the back door and she never came back. So with that long story, thank you for listening, Rose. I want to talk to you about lost pets because I was just like, okay, Daisy looks exactly like Brownie. Like when I was putting Brownie down, I thought this is okay. I'm going to go home to Daisy who looks exactly like her. I'll be able to see Brownie in her eyes. So I'll be okay. This is okay. You know, just trying to self-soothe any way I could. But when I got home and Daisy was gone, I thought, no freaking way can this be happening to me. So, of course, within the next few days, I reached out to animal communicators like yourself. Like, please help me find my cat. Like, she is my last lifeline. So, Rose, let me ask you, do you work with a lot of clients who are looking for lost pets? I, I wouldn't say a lot of clients, but I do... Um, I do work with lost animals. It's it's a really emotionally charged session, as you know. And it's it's very draining for them and for me. So I, I always send out information to someone who contacts me about a lost pet because, first of all, people need to understand that they can't say, go down three blocks, turn right behind the yellow mm-hmm. house and hiding. It's, it's not like that. And I can't, I don't get that kind of visual either. What, what I get is first I check in and I ask them if they're still in their body. Then I ask them if there was a reason that they left because sometimes they left for a reason. Sometimes I have to decide if the person is even ready to hear that reason. I always ask spirit because if, if they're not emotionally able to hear that reason, then I have to kind of reframe it in another way. And then if they're in their body and they want to come home, I ask them to show me what's around them. And I get flashes of pictures. And what people need to realize when I give them this information is to not get focused on one particular thing. Like there was a cat I worked with one time that they were fortunate and they found him And he showed me a couple different things, places that he, you know, an animal first go for safety. Then they'll find a water source and they often will stay in an area if they have those two things. Food isn't as important as you would think when they're in that state of panic and fight or flight. They go into a straight survival mode. Um, I thought it was over about three days, but I was told by a tracker it can be even sooner than that. And actually when they, if they're darting, take off afraid they're already in that that mode and it takes a while for it to kind of settle so anyway he showed me some pictures and like I might get um that there's a pile of brush and I hear a train I ask him for smells and sights um sounds but you can't get focused on just a pile of brush you have to kind of put all of that in a general sense and also remember the size and the perspective of the animal. If it's a cat, 
If I say a big pile, it's big to them. It might not look big wow. to, to us. So that that's the other thing. And like he said, he often went in this, this cement tube. He showed me this kind of cement tube that reminded me like of a culvert. But I could see light at both ends very easily. So I knew it wasn't really long, like under a two-lane road. And that's where they found him, was in this cement. I don't even remember now exactly what it was, but she said, we saw this cement tube, and we went up, and I whispered his name, and he meowed, and he was in there. So, you know, it's it's a matter of taking all that information and mm-hmm. keeping it general. The other thing is there could be multiple locations that yeah. fit, that fit those pictures. And, and that's what's really hard. I can't guarantee that you'll find them the best time to call an animal communicator mm. is as soon as possible. People often wait till oh, it's been no. a week because they Aww. think they're going to come home and, or longer, you know, I'm often the last yeah. resort <laughs> for people in that situation. Um, and I'm always, I'm always willing to talk to somebody about it, you know, a consultation just to tell them how it works and, you know, they can tell me the circumstances. Um, but it, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really, it's really hard, especially when they're, they think that I can just tell them where they are. Well, can he just tell you where he, he oh, is no. so I can go pick him up? So not like that. I wish. No, and I'm glad you explained that because emotionally charged is putting it mildly. I remember I actually waited a few days because like you said, I thought Daisy will come home. She's just going out and decompressing from this traumatic event of losing her mom. She'll come home. But when she didn't, four days, I thought, okay, I need help. So that's when I contacted a couple of animal communicators and they both gave me very similar descriptions of where she was, like the same colored fence and the same mm-hmm. type of house. And they both, like you said, they initially asked her, are you in your body? And she said, yes. But they said that she was looking outside of a window. So they were assuming that she was, somebody picked her up and brought her home. Ah, uh, and then maybe kept her inside. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then the other one, an uh, animal communicator, told me that uh, Daisy said her contract with us was up and that she was happy. And, you know, it was kind of a hard truth to hear, like, your pet doesn't really want to be with you anymore. They fulfilled what they were supposed to. But I don't know. It made me feel better than them saying she's out of her body. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, on that that perspective, it's not like, they don't want to be with you anymore. But if they feel like the agreement has been fulfilled and then this new person comes along, mm-hmm. maybe their need is more. Ah, uh, yeah. Wow. That's a beautiful way to look at it. So it's, you know, it's not that they just don't want to be with you anymore. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's just, it was such a hard pill to swallow losing both of them. I mean, you have to you have to clean up their cat toys. You have to wash and put away their food bowls and their water bowls. And I was alone. I knew nobody in Charleston. My husband at the time was away for work. I had to go through all of this by myself. Wow, that's a lot. Oh, yeah, with, with little Jeffrey, a little puppy. He was probably 11, 12 weeks old. Mm-hmm. And I don't think... I don't know if they, I think like we said in the last time we recorded a podcast together, you said animals look at death as 
very normal as going to bed and waking up. It's not a big deal to them. So I think Jeffrey knew what happened, but he was just like bringing me his toys. Like, okay, she died. Well, let's play. Yeah. Well, and it, not that animals don't grieve because sometimes they really grieve when an animal dies in their home. Um, but they, and some understand it better than others, just like people they are in different levels of their evolution. So some are more accepting of it, but, um, when an animal is making their transition, they, they really understand it. They're like, woohoo. Yeah. Let's go back to this spirit yeah. body. So, you know, it's, but it is, it's, you know, it's different for each animal based on where they are in their own um, spiritual evolution as well as their personality. And he was little. So he was such a little baby. So Brownie was my soulmate. And I'm sure, you know, as soon as I sent you a photo of her that you could see it in her eyes, she was a very soulful cat. <laughs> um, she taught me so much about unconditional love in myself. And when she got diagnosed with diabetes, it, it was, like I said earlier, round-the-clock care. I decided not to give her insulin, and I treated her holistically with herbal treatments. But diabetes is such a debilitating illness on these poor little animals. And, yeah, it, it was tough towards the very end. And for a while, I, I really was mad at myself and felt very guilty for putting her down. Because when we got to the emergency vet, they tested her blood sugars immediately. And it was through the roof, of course. And she was severely dehydrated. And they said, well, there's a small chance we can revive her. Your bill will probably be $8,000 to $10,000. We'll have to leave her here for a week while she gets stable. And I just thought, I looked at her. And I could just see it in her eyes that she was so tired of fighting this disease. And when you have to make the decision to euthanize your pet, it's, I don't wish it upon anyone. It's so hard. It, it is really hard, so but you know, I, can I just share something about that? Um, yes, please. That's, that is one of the many, one of the common things that people contact me about is, is end of life decisions. And animals are really clear when they're ready. If they're on the fence uh -huh. at all, it's because there's something they still need to do or someone who still needs to say goodbye. And so oh when God. I, when I work with an animal in that situation, at least then the people know that they're ready. You know, they, I mean, I, I get a very wow. clear yes or no. And sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes they want to do it on their own. And uh, Not very often. It, it hasn't happened in my experience very often. And it's not always, you know, death isn't always real peaceful. It can be oh, dramatic. Okay. And I experienced that myself with one of my dogs. So, but that was really her wish. And, and I wanted to support her in that. So honor that. And you you know, something that just came to mind listening to you say that was Brownie had diabetes for two years and was going downhill slowly but surely for two years. And she was doing fine. But then my husband at the time left. He flew to California. So literally across the country for work. And the very next day, 
is when she decided, I'm done. I give up. I'm done fighting. <laughs> and I thought, did she like purposely wait until I was alone because she wanted her and I to experience this moment together alone? I don't know. We can find out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I'm, I'm nervous. I've already got a bowling ball in my throat, but I'm got a box of Kleenex to too. Again. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. She she's my best friend and I can feel her presence around me a lot, especially today. It's like she knows we're gonna talk again. Yeah, and they, they do come in and check on us after they pass. I mean, always. And unfortunately sometimes people are just they don't trust the signs that they see. And they, they doubt mm-hmm. it. Ego gets yeah. in the way. And it's, you know, it's really too bad. So I always I always ask them, you know, if there's something in particular they're going to do, you know, show me how you're going to come back to them. How you, What sign are you going to give them? And, um, mm-hmm. and often they'll come through another animal that's in the house as well. You'll see them exhibit a mannerism that was really specific to the animal that passed. And it's something they never do. And you might see it once and that's it. Or you might see it multiple times. So that's so cool. And it ha- that happens all the time. I love getting those stories back from people. Remember how he said to watch, you know, blah, blah, blah. Well, guess what he did the other day? He never does that. <laughs> oh, I love that. That is so cool. With Brownie, she even though she was a small runt of a cat, she had such a commanding presence to her <laughs> that I can just feel when that level of energy is in a room. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, when we were at the emergency vet, um, I think the love between Brownie and I was so big, like a huge field bubble of energy that um, the vet actually had to run out of the room as soon as she gave the second vial of euthanasia. And then the vet tech came in to, uh, and when the vet ran out of the room, she had to run out because she was crying and shaking and felt so bad. And I mean, she does this every single day. So, and then vet techs kept coming in to see if they could come get Brownie's body and take her away. But I kept saying just five more minutes. Mm -hmm. Like I was not, I couldn't, uh, and then every single vet tech would walk in, see us and feel that energy in the room and just cry and walk out. (laughs) And they actually told me when I went back a week later to get her ashes, they were like, your love, you and that cat, there was something about you two. Like we have to put animals down at least 10 times a day and it's become routine to us, but none of us could walk in that room and look in your eyes and be around that pain. <laughs> yeah, it was powerful. Yeah. And, you know, I I know that for vets, it, it becomes just something that they have to do. I don't think it ever gets, um, I mean, I think they still feel compassion, but they also see the gift that we're giving them, you know? Yeah. So. That's what it is yeah all right okay. so how do you begin these sessions rose let's show people how it's done so if okay. they want to work with you this is how it goes so i always start with i call it a prayer invocation um just to kind of set the energy and to um ask for 
I open myself up and just ask for, you know, guidance and for the communication to come in clearly. And then I have the person, so you, say your first and last name three times, and then the animal's name three times. Now, you probably should say your ex-husband's name, too, at least because he was connected, so connected Mm -hmm. to Daisy. Yes, he was. Um, Okay. If he cares if his name is, you can just say his first name if you don't think he'd want his last name out there, but... Yeah, I'll I'll just use his first name, and I'm sure he wouldn't mind at all. Yeah, you've probably said his name before anyway. <laughs> yes, many a time. <laughs> I love him. He's awesome. So so I start by saying my name first. Um. Yeah. After after I say the prayer, so your first and last name three times, and then do you want to start with Brownie or how yes. do you want? Okay. Actually, let's start with let's start with Daisy because Brownie's going to be the big one. I can feel okay. it. Okay. So say your your first and last name three times, then his name three times, and then Daisy's name three times, and then when we go to Brownie, I'll have you say Brownie's name at that time. Okay. And I have their okay. pictures, so I always tell I always tell people I don't have to have a picture, but I really like to, and it also is any avenue I can pull on for connection. I like to use. So the person, like your connection to Daisy and Brownie is an energy stream for me. The picture is an energy stream. And then I pull on, you know, the uh, universal energy, divine energy, and, and then just animal spirit energy. So I figure if there's more than one way, why not pull on all of it? (laughs) Of course. So that's how I do it. Okay. Give me just one second. I'm going to take a breath. And also, you know, it's always good for anyone when they're getting a session that they take time. Like, don't run in from work and throw your keys down and call up the animal communicator and start dinner. You know, no multitasking. You need to be, you're going to get the most out of the session if you're in a grounded relaxed state as well, really present, not doing any anything else. Because so I've had people, I can hear them eating, you know, no. I've had people driving. So I've, I've no. made that really clear now because it it's, it, you know, it's not just like listening to a podcast. <laughs> it's, you really need to be present to get the most out of it. So, okay, so just wanted to add that. I ask the divine to be here present with us, to open our hearts and minds, to clearly receive information, and to connect with Brownie and Daisy. I ask this in the energy of love and for the best and highest good of us all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So you could start with your names. Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers. Stephanie Powers. My husband's name is Mitchell. 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 And our cat is Daisy. 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 So just so people know, sometimes as I start to um, get that connection, I'm quiet. I know dead time on 
airspace isn't always good, but because mm. I get it through sensation, so I need to feel it and then take that feeling and explain it or put words to it. So Daisy feels like she's still in her body. Mm-hmm. Um, when I when I feel them for the first time, it feels totally different when they're not, when they're just in spirit. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different sensation. She's got really big energy, though, so I was kind of a little unsure for a moment when she first started coming in because when, when spirit comes in, when they're in spirit, it's really big and all around me. When they're in their body, it feels more localized, if, if that makes sense. You know, like I, it's more compact or something. Yeah. Um, but she has very big energy. Like her energy is very um, open. Mm-hmm. But she's, she's kind of, she's kind of, um, how old would she be now? Because she feels a little lazy. Yeah, she would be <laughs> nine. Okay. So what, what would you like me to ask her? Where, where do you want me to start? Wow. <laughs> if she, does she have a new home? Is she living on the streets of Charleston, South Carolina? She's definitely inside. Yeah. Um, and I know you said the other two people said that too, but I, I mean, I actually... I don't know if they gave you any colors, but I actually see um, something yellow, like a place where she yeah. either she lays or she looks out at. That's exactly um, what they said, Rose. Yellow shutters, and they have like a yellow thing in front of the window where she sits and looks outside. Yeah, that's where I'm seeing it, where she's looking outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's kind of become fat and lazy. Yeah. That wasn't really her personality before, no. but she's older, but she's, she's definitely, um, she doesn't have, she's like resigned to being inside now. Uh-huh. You know, she, uh, it wasn't her nature. No, it wasn't, but she had a deformity. She had lobster claw, which means her claw was split in half and she only had like three toes and she mm. started to gain weight right before we lost her and it was bad for her paw. So it probably hurts, and now she can't walk fully. So I'm asking her about, like, when she left. Yeah. Like, does she remember us? She, she was so, now when I tell you things, I don't, you know, I always tell people don't feel bad because sometimes some of the things that they share 
we perceive it to be negative, but they just look at it as this is how it was. Yeah. She was terrified. The, the energy, um, like you must have really kind of freaked out big time. Like I blacked out. I was so panicked. And, and, you know, anxiety, like through the roof kind of thing. It, it freaked her out. It terrified her to feel that. I mean, it wasn't like you were really nervous and you were upset and you were scared. It was almost like, bam, you know, it just like blew up. And maybe you had a panic attack. That's exactly what I because did. Because I was like, I can't possibly have to do this alone. Like this can't be happening. And, you know, she's, she is, she's really really sensitive. And she's also, she was very bonded to her mom, even though they weren't always like snuggly, cuddly, Mm -hmm. I get from her, but they, they were very bonded and, and it just, it freaked her out. So she felt like it was coming from inside. So she just had to get outside. Did she leave? And she just, did she leave because of Jeffrey as well? Because she's very sensitive, like you said. And when we brought home Jeffrey as a puppy, even though he was a fraction of her size, she was still kind of like, what the hell is this? In the moment she left because of, of, intensity and fear. Mm -hmm. Um, She shows me that uh, like she just, she just took off. Like she, you said she was inside outside, Mm -hmm. right? Mostly inside, but she'd like to just lounge around outside. Yeah, she kind of knew, you know, she had her little area, but she didn't really go too far. But this was a sprint, you know, she just took off and, um, she, she kind of went to a place where she wasn't really sure where she was. Mm. You know, cats have a very good sense of direction. They can usually get back if they if they've been outside at all. They can usually find their home. But because of this, the panic that she took off in, and she didn't really, she wasn't like exploring. She was just mm-hmm. fleeing. So she was in a different you know state of mind. Wow. And then she was kind of just wandering. She I don't get from her that she really wanted to not come back home. But she was, yeah, she just, she wasn't, she was kind of um, out of sorts. You know, she didn't really know. I think she would have maybe been able to find her way back home if that person hadn't, quote unquote, rescued her, because that's probably what they feel like Mm -hmm. they did. Um, So this the place where you lived, were you in like an apartment or like a townhouse? Were there a lot of houses yep. close together? 
Okay. Yep, that's exactly what it was. And there was a neighborhood with other small, like single family homes right behind it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, so what, what I see, what she shows me is she was kind of, she wasn't really just walking down the street cause she was too smart for that. She would be darting in and out, but she got chased by a dog, a little dog. Oh my God. <laughs> and somebody saw it, the person that she's with now. And she ran and, and um, went like under a porch or a deck, uh, but you know, like that kind of, that's what I see like under the house kind of. And, um, this person, you know, lured her out. She would come for food. She's just pretty, she liked her food, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that, that's, that's what she shows me is how she, and she didn't, you know, she didn't know that she wasn't going to be going back home. And I'm sure that person thought she was just a stray kitty. You know, a lot of people, or they think she was dumped or, um, she might have asked a couple neighbors, but not thought to go over to the other neighborhood, you know, to where you were. You know, we put up so many signs with her picture on it. And I, there was like this one intersection where everybody from the single family homes area plus the town home area would have to cross by. Mm-hmm. I always wonder if this person, because every animal communicator I worked with said literally word for word what you're saying. And I just <laughs> always wonder if this person who rescued her ever saw that and thought, oh, that looks a lot like the cat I have. I know. And you know, that it, that's what's so frustrating too. And sometimes people think, well, they must not have been a very good owner mm. because their cat was over here getting chased by a dog or, you know, an animal's been out for two weeks and so they're skinny and mangy and they mm-hmm. think, well, they weren't good. You know, they don't, they don't think of those things. They think they're doing the right thing. Or sometimes yeah. they just like them and want to keep them. They're like, oh, I have a cat now. I mean, I can't tell you how many times on lost page sites, somebody will say, I found this dog. Does anybody, you know, recognize, well, it looks like you have a new dog. It's like, no, no, you look for the people, you know, you file a found report. So, I mean, her life hasn't been horrible. You know, this person, I feel like it's a lady. Did they say a lady? The other people too? Yeah, Um, they did. But she doesn't get to go outside. She has a, um, I don't even think it's like a screened porch, but it feels like there's a little place she can kind of go. Maybe she has, um, I don't know, it just feels small. You know, it doesn't feel like a big screened in porch for, it feels like a small, so it could even just be a little, I don't know if some people just have kind of a, you know, kind of just their doorway, like a little sidewalk kind of screened in area. That doesn't really make sense, but there's kind of a little place. Maybe she just opens the window. It could be one of those windows that is like a, you know how some of them go out. I forget what they call them. Greenhouse windows or something, but they wouldn't Mm -hmm. have a screen in it. Probably. I don't know. Could just be a screened 
window where she can sit with like a, like a bay window where she gets the fresh air, but doesn't get she to doesn't get to fully outside. No, she doesn't let her outside. You know, when I worked with other animal communicators who described all of this, we uh, rode our bikes around the neighborhood looking for this house and we actually found it. And it made perfect sense that she would dart and sprint to this house. And, but we never thought, should we go knock on the door and say, Hey, yeah, I was working with an animal communicator and they said my cat's in your house. So (laughs) you didn't knock on the door. I think my husband at the time, I think he did and nobody answered because a lot of the blinds mm-hmm. were closed and it like the yard wasn't really upkept and it just mm-hmm. felt bizarre. Yeah. My sense um, that the, this, there, there's a lot of stuff in the house. Yes. You know, kind of, I don't know if I want to say like hoarding, but pretty cluttery. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so it, they might be a little off. Yeah, that's the vibe we got. <laughs> and no one ever answered yeah. that. So. But she's, you know, she's been taken care of. She's fed. She does miss being outside. And she did want to come back home. Yeah. That's what I get from her. I don't get that she felt like she was completely done she wasn't thrilled about jeffrey at all but she wasn't really she knew that she could um command him that's kind of the feeling i get from her and she did but she was still like come on i can't walk around freely without this little tiny pug chasing me and he would have learned you know he would have learned in time she would have taught him well (laughs) oh yes that's daisy all right well, that makes me feel a lot better just to know that she's okay, fat and happy. What more can I ask for? <laughs> yeah. Um, she, you know, part of, I do get a little bit about, um, now this might sound kind of weird, but part of Mitchell was sometimes almost too needy of her Mm -hmm. attention. Mm -hmm. And that was a little overwhelming at times. So I could see her, you know, wanting to release that, but it wasn't to me what, what I get from her. It wasn't that she was completely Mm -hmm. complete with that agreement and, and it was done, but that it was just a little overwhelming. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. Okay. She's really, she's really happy that we're connecting with her. Oh, I was um, going to say it. You know, Brownie checks in on her. Does she? She does. She's there a lot, actually. Wow. She does. And I think there's, there's another, I don't, I think she was the only cat at the time, but there's another cat in there now, maybe even two, but there, there's so much stuff in the place. It's easy to have different places and not really see each other, Oh, you know, 
Um, it just, like I said, it just feels kind of cluttery. It could just be, you know, lots of furniture and piles of papers and stuff. It might not be yeah. horrible, horrible. Um, but it doesn't really seem to phase her. She loves that window. Yeah, she does. She is an outdoor. She just loves nature and trees and rolling in the grass. That's why I named her. She tried. Yeah. Yeah, she tried to get out at the beginning. Oh, to come home. Mm-hmm. Wow. She kept her um she kept her kind of in a, a room for a while so she would get used to this being her place. Wow. You know, I mean I mean I'm assuming that's why, but Daisy's showing me that she kinda of kept her confined in one room. Yeah. Makes me feel a little bad. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. But she's not, you know, lacking for food or attention. Oh, good. That makes me happy. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like you want to move on to oh, Brownie? Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, it just started raining and the sun okay. is out, so I'm sure there's a rainbow behind me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're still in Florida? Yes, thank you. It always rains with the sunshine oh, in so there, beautiful. it seems. All right, Miss Brownie. Okay. So go ahead and say her name for me three times. Brownie. 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 You know that she is still connected to your intuition. Yep. <laughs> and she she actually feels like she helped to open your throat. Oh, my eye. God. You have no idea. <laughs> I'm just telling you what she's showing me because instantly when her energy comes in, she's showing me this connection from, you know, her third, her you know, sixth chakra to yours, yep. your third eyes. And it's so intense and mm -hmm. beautiful. And she's also kind of with this air of, you know, she's proud that she, she helped you oh, open yeah. that up. She helped you literally see and she's still very connected. You can, you can talk to her anytime you want. That I know. Okay. She also likes to mess with your hair. Did she sometimes pot your head? I have a scar on my back from her scratching me, but I like it. I always tell people that's my brownie <laughs> tattoo. <laughs> from like, do it like kneading on you or like scratching because she um, was mad? I think. I was holding her as she always begged me to do, like literally just cuddle and cradle her. And thunder went off, and she was like, "Ah!" And jumped off my oh. back and slid down my hair and scratched me. Well, what she shows me is kind of like pulling at your hair, like when you're when you're laying in bed or when you are um, 
in a more of a meditative state, it's when you're not, when you're kind of in that in-between place, you know, of conscious and, and subconscious sort of, it's, it, I don't know if you ever feel like a prickly sensation at the top Mm -hmm. of your head, almost like someone's got their hands and just barely touching your hair. Like if you reach up and do that, Mm -hmm. that kind of feeling. And that, that's her, that's one of her ways of letting you know she's there. So that if you ever get that tingly feeling in your head, that's Brownie. Just, you know, say, hey, Brownie. girl. That's her way of um, just kind of, it's also to get your attention. Yeah. I think a really big question I want to ask her if she's mad at me. Because when I euthanized her, I tried holding her paw and she like yanked it out of my hand. And I don't know if it was her way of saying, F you, I don't want to do this. Or fear. You mean when they were going to put yes. the IV in? Okay. She really, first of all, she didn't really like her feet mm-hmm. touch that way anyway. Um, it wasn't that it wasn't that she was angry. She just didn't want you to do it. She didn't want you to to. That's not that's not how that's not part of how you and how you held her or petted her and. She didn't want you to be a part of that mm-hmm. holding her her leg while they did that. Um, there was there. I mean, I feel like with you, I can I can say this. There was a part of her that would have been okay making her transition mm-hmm. on her own. However, she didn't feel like no, you would have been I okay. Have- so if you would have gone in and found her and she was already passed, she would have been okay with that. And that's part of the reason that she went off somewhere. But since you did find her, she was also perfectly okay. And and being, you know, having assistance, but it was really it was really important for your connection that you were there. And can you ask her why she waited until my husband was gone? Did she want us to do that alone? I get I get a couple of things from her. It, it it wasn't technically just that she waited. I mean, it was kind of coming on. Um, you know, her decline was had been happening, but she could already feel some of this coming. Um, to her, it was like the timing. It happened at the perfect time, because. No offense to Mitchell, mm-hmm. but he just would have messed it up. Yeah. He would have been he would have been saying things that you didn't need to hear or trying to help you or 
adding to the mm-hmm. emotion around it. And it really needed, you're right, it really did need to be about just the two of you. But I, I'm not really getting that she particularly chose it, but wow. it was like divine timing. Yeah, That's how she looks at it. And animals do sometimes choose, but, oh, my head's getting all tingly. Hi, <laughs> Brownie. With. <laughs> she wants to make sure that, I, that she's like right here because of, of what I just said. Um, she wants to make sure, she doesn't mean that She's trying to like, I don't I have to find the right words. So it's not like it would have been horrible if Mitchell was there, yeah, but it would have been a lot different. And it was, it was best this way. So she's like, it's not like he, I didn't, you know, it's not like he would have been a total idiot, but like, that's how kind of how she perceived what the way I said it, that he would just have messed it up. Oh, so she wanted to make yeah. sure I correct that. <laughs> so it was, you know, because she had a connection with him as well. And um, really what she liked about him is how, you know, when you when you two first were together, especially, you know, the, the energy that it brought to you, like how that worked and helped you, how you felt. That's what she liked about him. So... Anyway, she just wants to make sure that I, you know, I didn't, I didn't mean it like he would have just been a total jerk. So I just had to clarify that. <laughs> yes, she did love him, but her and I, people who came over would just watch us interact. Like, wow, animals really can be your soulmate. <laughs> she wants to know if you remember, if you felt how she, when she made her transition, did you, she, she shows me that she actually was around and inside you. Like she was filling you up. Did you feel that? Yeah, she wants I to did. Know. And uh, that's why I could hand her body over to the vet tech to take away because I felt her with me. And I said, I can't lose this feeling because then I'm going to feel that inevitable empty void. Just, I'm not ready. So she's reminding you of that feeling because you can still feel that. You know, you if when you connect with her and allow yourself, you know, there's a part of you that's afraid to feel it again yeah, it because does. it hurts. You know, every time I try and pet another cat, I can't because that feeling comes over me and it's too much. Yeah, well, she's telling you, you, you just get over it and let, let it come in. <laughs> she's being pretty matter of fact, because that was a gift she gave you, you know, that you could feel her even when she's not in her body. It's also going to open up like she shows that going into your heart chakra. And I see like a starburst from it. It's going to clear out a bunch of crap you're still holding on to. Not that you haven't done work. I'm not saying that uh, this is all coming from her. But it's going to clear out some other holding. So 
she's really encouraging you to allow that. Maybe even go visit with someone who has a cat or Um, go and, and let that feeling come up or do a meditation, you know, with her. This morning I was walking Jeffrey and a cat came up to us. And for the first time ever, I was ready to just pet it and love it. And the poor thing had a big wound on its chest. But instead of going back, yeah, I just, I finally, it clicked in my head. I was like, I think I'm ready to adopt another cat. I feel like I can do it once I get a home, of course. But that was the first time I felt that in three years. That's great. Maybe just because we knew we were going to do this today, you have already started to, you know, Brownie's working with you to open that up. Yeah. Now, what's a, a question I have kind of for you and Brownie is the last time I worked with an animal communicator to talk to Brownie, the chakras got brought up again. And Brownie said, listen, you have got a lot of gunk in your solar plexus and I'm going to shift it out. And we actually did like a... Um, quantum therapy to shift that what I was holding on to in my solar plexus chakra. So I wonder why Brownie keeps bringing up all these chakra systems because she's a wise soul. And I mean, look at the work you're doing. How many people who listen to your podcast maybe need the same thing? You know, you're, you're like, um, like a teacher for, for all those people Mm -hmm. who are maybe younger and earlier in their, in their journey and, and maybe not younger, but just younger in their process, you know, and she, you know, she feels like that you have, you still have an unleashed your potential. Yeah. There's just, and she, you know, and she's kind of a little bit, a little impatient because it's like, come on now, you know, this stuff, you know? So yeah. So now you're, you're moving up. You've gone from the solar plexus up into your heart chakra, but being able to really allow yourself to feel that feeling that she said she, you felt when she left her body and she's going to be there to help you. I mean, you can be like a team, you know, working together. She can be your guide. Um, yeah. Yeah. Now I'm tapping into that feeling really hard. And Good. It, it really was. It was like I the fear and anxiety leading up to that moment. And once that moment was over and it was just her and I in that little room watching the palm trees outside blow in the wind, I felt like I grew wings and that like all this energy was coming in through my crown chakra. And I was like, a tough superwoman because I just got through this death, this experience of death by myself, like no mom, no Mitch, no, no one, just me. And I was just wrapped up in death and life and love. And it was like being in a tie dye pool of emotions. (laughs) And what age were you then? Oh my gosh. 28, 28. I mean, to some people, that sounds pretty old, but not to someone like me <laughs> when I've got 30 years <laughs> on you. <laughs> but, you know, there's there's so much um, spiritual growth that happens in our 20s, especially, especially if oh, we're yeah. conscious and, and aware, 
you know, actively pursuing that. It's a really wonderful time. And then 30, we start to really come into our power, I think, you know, and you probably know astrologically, you know, 2930, there's some big shifts that happen. So Saturn return. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. Again, the synchronicities, literally one of my best friends, she's 25 years old. And I was just telling her yesterday about each age in your 20s, 25, 26, 27, how they're really rough. And it's just the lowest of lows paired with the highest of highs, but it's just so emotionally exhausting. And I said, your 30s look golden. And I said, now that I'm almost 31, I can say I feel so powerful and untouchable and just so ready for all of life's lessons to come at me. Whereas in my mm-hmm. 20s, you're kind of coward in the corner like, oh, what's next? I love it. I love being 30. Yeah, it's a, I loved it too. <laughs> I <laughs> Actually, I'd like to stay where I am. I just wish my body was like it was when I was 30. <laughs> oh, I know. I bet. <laughs> Do you have any, any questions for her? Any other <sighs> questions? I, I just hope she knows that my love for her has not ever gotten weaker and that she can't be replaced. And that I love her more every day, even if her shell isn't right by me. She knows, you know, and she might even be willing to come back to you again in another cat form. You know, that was literally something that just popped in my mind. As soon as you said it, I was like, can you ask her if she's going to come back? And I think I already know the answer to that. Yeah. What because she, she really... <laughs> Jeffrey has nothing on her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no, no offense to Jeffrey, but I mean, she's, she, with her, her wisdom and her strength and her energy, you know, she, she, ha- she will have no problem. Um, you'll, you'll know her when you see her, <laughs> you'll recognize it. You'll have that connection and, and that feeling. This is the other thing. Now she's telling me that feeling, this is why she wants you to, you know, work on allowing yourself to feel it because that's what you're going to feel. When you see her again, she comes back into cat form again. You're going to have that feeling. That's how you'll know it's her. And I always tell people, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a kitten. Yep. You know, I mean, that's fine, but I mean, it's not like you have to look for um, the baby version of the animal. I worked with one recently, a cat who was literally sharing another cat's body with the the same person, you know, Mm -hmm. I've never had that experience before. It Mm -hmm. kind of would, this, the energy would come in. And so sometimes it was the one cat and sometimes it was the other. And she's like, I can see that she could see the difference. And and it was like an agreement that they had. Oh, and sometimes an animal will come in and take, you know, it's, and people do this too. They call them walk-ins. You know, they're on a soul level. The soul says, I'm really done with this life. And this new soul says, I don't want to start as a baby. I've got too much work to do. And it's an agreement oh. and they just change places. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Yeah. 
And that would be sometimes people like, all of a sudden, he's like a totally different person. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And I have a feeling when Brownie comes back, it'll be similar to like me going out into my garage and saying, oh, what is this? (laughs) Mm. Yeah, it might just happen. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. What an amazing soul. Thank you for letting me connect with Brownie and Daisy. Thank you, Rose, for connecting with them. I already feel... I can take a deep breath knowing that they're both okay and that they provided me with so much growth for my life. (laughs) They are my 20s cats, the cats I had in my 20s, my most pivotal growing years of my whole life. So they will go down in history for sure. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Rose, you have such an incredible job. And I really hope that those listening to the podcast will reach out to you for help and guidance and get to experience what I just got to experience with you. I love sharing you with the world. Thank you. I love you sharing me with the world and I love connecting with your animals. Yes. Oh, Jeffrey misses you. He knows you. (laughs) He remembers you. (laughs) Mr. Cool guy. That's right. He still is. (laughs) And he loves exploring Florida and the Rockies. He is just truly, remember you said he uh, came through and told you that he wishes we could live out of an Airstream with his face on the side. <laughs> That's right. That? Jeffrey, Jeffrey Mobile or something. Um, pull up to a new Airbnb, he hops out, runs in and jumps on the couch. <laughs> yep. Makes himself right at home. And you know, have you ever seen any of the videos on adventure cats? Yes. They're like so on YouTube. Colorado. So yeah, you could, you never know. You might not have to have a, like a permanent place that you live before you have a cat again. True. Oh my God. That's what I want to do. Leo's going to travel around with me. <laughs> he does. I, I've taken him to the vet and he just walks around. He was like lounging on the bench like it was his, and that was his at the vet. So I need to take him out a little more to see how he does. But he he does fine in the car. He meows a little bit, and then he settles down. Oh, I miss him. He's so sweet. Rose, how can people contact you? How can the people find you and book a session with you or learn about stuff? So my website is roseproud.com. My Instagram and Facebook are Animal Communicator Rose. And my phone number is 828-388-7366. I prefer, for contact, ideally I prefer email. Mm -hmm. It's just easier to have it all come through one stream. You can message me through my website and Facebook and Instagram, and I will respond, but um, I do prefer email. I try to direct everybody to email. It's just easier than four different places. And my email is petmessenger at gmail.com. Okay. And we will add all of this to the show notes so people can find it down there too. Okay. And can I, I mention one oh, more Rose, thing? Microphone's um, all yours. Okay. The fourth Thursday of every month. At 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I host a radio show, an online broadcast on a network called News for the Soul. You can go to newsforthesoul.com. If you go to uh, my Facebook, I always post it, and Instagram, 
one of these days I'll get around to getting it on my website because I'm so bad at that. But you can call in. I love to have people call in because then they don't have to figure out what to talk about for an hour. And you can call in and we can connect with your animal and you can ask questions. And I, it's, it's just a really, it makes for a great show. And then, like I said, I don't have to figure it out. You guys help me out. So I really appreciate that. Oh, my best that. friend Paulina just called into your show last Thursday and she FaceTimed me right after. And oh my gosh, Rose. So I know her doggies and you nailed it. You nailed it. <laughs> she was so yeah. sweet. She was so sweet. Kansas. I'm glad she got golden through. Retriever Kansas. Isn't that a <laughs> sweet soul? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. thank you so much, Rose, and I can't wait to hear from you again. Have you back on the show? Sounds good. Wow. What a session, right? Gosh, Rose is so incredible. You know, I got to meet her uh, this past summer when I was traveling from New Hampshire to Colorado. Rose let me stay at her home. She actually runs an Airbnb. So if you guys would like to stay with Rose, one of the coolest people I've ever met and talk spirituality, light workers, communicating with animals, you can find her on Airbnb. And I will add the link to her home in the show notes. All right. Be sure to subscribe to Lightworkers Lounge wherever you get podcasts and leave us a review. This is to help other workers find us. The more reviews, the more exposure we get. So I really, really appreciate that. And be sure to join our Friday bonus chats. This is the Lightworkers Lounge premium subscription. It's $9.99 a month and you can cancel absolutely anytime. There is no obligation besides to hang out with me every Friday and have a bonus chat. I think this Friday, I'm going to tell you guys the insane story of how Jeffrey, my pug, came into my life. He is the best example of using law of attraction and manifesting something that you want. Okay, I will also add the link to that in our show notes, or you can go to lightworkerslounge.podbean.com, click on any Friday bonus chat, scroll to the bottom and hit play, and you can sign up. I will see you guys there, and I will see you next Wednesday. And of course, on Instagram, you my gram fam at Lightworkers Lounge and at Stephanie's underscore destiny. Sending you so much love on this lovely October night. Goodbye.